0: For our first message today, we have a a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, Our Liberty Through Christ. Mr. Carter. Okay, make sure I'm on. Sounds like I am. And just to add something, my note to last week, you are talking about face painting. That's why you see me over there go, ah! I would let the kids do it, but I think God kind of helped out on that one. I was red, as red as can be last week. One of the kids afterwards, it was Nathan, I don't mind mentioning his name, came up and poked me in the back of the neck, and I went like that, and he says, you're red, did you know that? <laughs> I think God took care of that problem for me. But it was a fun weekend last weekend. As, before we start the actual message yourself, I found, while I was doing some research on liberty, because, you know, what's your July, or so our liberty. I found some quotes I thought very interesting. One of them was by Edmund Burke. I had to have some people in the congregation help me figure out who he was. He was actually an Irish statesman who was in the 19th century, I believe. And he said, And what is liberty without wisdom and without virtue? It is the greatest of all possible evil. For it is folly, vice, madness, and without tuition, or, restri- or restraint, and then I got another one I thought was pretty cool, and this one we all should know. It's Daniel Webster, you know, the dictionary, the one I don't like because English is not always my strong point. He made his, his comment on liberty was, liberty exists in proportion with wholesome restraint. This will kind of relate to what I'm saying later. But being 4th of July last weekend, I thought it would be a great opportunity to focus on our liberty, but to especially focus on our liberty through Christ. Because we see Christ came to bring us liberty. And it's not just physical. Again, we'll go into that later on. But it's not just physical liberty. And as the quote goes, it's in Luke. I'm going to go ahead and go to Luke 4, verse 17. We see that Jesus Christ came to Nazareth. And he, see, and as his custom was, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And on, in verse 17, and he said, he, okay, start over. And he was handed the book of Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Okay, here's what he quotes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because I ha- because he has anointed me, To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and then he sat down and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we see he came he even proclaimed it in that he brought was bringing liberty to us. I decided today that we'd break this down into two, this liberty into two factors or two divisions. One is Christ's Christ's responsibility or his side of that liberty. And then our responsibility. Cuz we do have a sort of responsibility in this cuz we see when Paul wrote to the Philippians he in in Chapter 2, verse 12 through 13, he said, Therefore, my brethren, as you have already obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now more, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure." we have our responsibility as well, is what I was just going to point out with that, that we are to also have the fear and trembling that we have our place in the working out our salvation. So, and, and as we see here, it is God's good pleasure to help us out. We see that too in this verse. Okay, so first part. Just to, just, it's going to be very brief. This is all brief. You can't do it in 30 minutes. Everything God, Christ is going to do for us. But just as a basic outline. Basically, Jesus Christ is to provide us forgiveness of our sins, to set us free of sin, and set us a perfect example to follow. We see this when Jesus spoke. He was asked a question in John 8, 34 through 36. He was asked a question, and this was his answer. And Jesus answered them. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. So he first one of his statements I want to point out is if you commit sin, you are a slave of sin. But he says as he is there to free us of our sins. And just as a brief, just as for the sake of argument, I was going to go into what is sin. Sin, as we all know from Reggie's sermon, just general reading and other places, is in 1 John 3, 4. Whoso, whosoever committed sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. I like the King James Version probably cause it's, just because I was raised on it partly too. But it says, whoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. We see Paul, when he spoke to the Romans about this, we see what the wages of sin is. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We see that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. And the gift of God, we don't earn it, but the gift of God is eternal life. and one last just as a quick in Romans 3:23 through 24 he says for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of god being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is jesus christ so the outcome of so sin is the transgression of god's law which is perfect law we also see that it, it the wages is death and god offers us life as a free gift, a free gift. The reason I pointed that out partly was because I remember a story. It was at work. I was talking to someone who was, you know, he's, he said he was Christian, and we didn't talk during work. We just talked like breaks or outside. And we, I don't know how sin came up as a topic, but it did. And I said, well, we've all sinned. And I quoted Romans, like I did with you, Romans 3:23. It wasn't a perfect quote, but it was close enough. All For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And he said, I never sinned. He said it with the straightest face. I've never sinned. And I said, whoa, 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 what do you mean? And his explanation was, I've never killed anyone. I've never slandered anyone. I've never done this. I've never done that. And I tried to point out in Matthew that, as an example, he said that if you hate your brother, I mean, if you call him rock or a fool, you've actually murdered your brother, or you've committed the spirit of the law, against, against the spirit of the law. He didn't get it through at all. He just felt like I've never sinned. I don't need Christ's sacrifice. I'm like, okay, I'm walking back from that one. I, if you can't convince someone, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not being offensive, won't be offensive about it. But that was just unique. I've never heard anyone say, I have never sinned. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Had to relay that one because I don't know if you all ran anyone like that, but I have. And it was like, okay. But we see it's a gift of God. Our liberty is. The law doesn't save us. It's Christ. The law has a purpose, which we'll get into later. But it's not Christ. Jesus Christ is our saving agent, so to speak, as I put in here. For we see, Paul write, wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any of you should boast, for we have, and then just to continue, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we do have a path we have to walk, as we can see, and it is a gift. Christ, as I said earlier, provides us forgiveness. And I picked, this time I picked what John said. I thought it was very apropos to what, Making it real easy, in 1 John 1, 7 through 7-9, he writes and says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. If we say we have no sin, like my friend said, if we say we have no sin, and again I'm not putting it down, this is what the Bible says: If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, of, forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Through Christ, we can confess our sins, whatever it may be, no matter what it is minor, big. I, in my personal life, I. Do multiples of big and small ones, depending on how you look at it. Sin a sin, but you get what I'm saying. Get mad in traffic or whatever. But if you confess, he is quick to forgive. We see another role that Christ has. And it relates to all of what I've just said. We see that he is our high priest. In Hebrews four, fourteen through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son son of God, let us hold fast our, our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we in all points, or I'm sorry, but was, backtrack, but was in all points tempted as we were or are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our need. As a high priest, he knows we struggle with our sins and our, and our sins can be anything from just, you know, our, just our personalities. I know something like my, I know an individual who struggles with anger. I just end with that. I not sense in pointing anyone out. But the point is, they struggled with anger in the past and through their, Walk with Christ. They've actually knocked it back. Sometimes we just get. Sometimes our. Sometimes we just hear the news and get angry, like this week. Yeah, and you get it. Just gets to the point that it dry, it, just, it You can be driven to sin. No matter sin is just a problem in our lives. Being physical, that's the way it is. But as a high priest, he can come up, and he does sympathize. Says he sympathized. He actually overcame. He was out sin. Because the role of a high priest was to end, be an intercessory for the people, and like in uh, Day of atonement, you would sit here and see him actually have to wash himself, you know, it's linen and all that. And yes, I'm reading as I told you last time. I'm reading the Old Testament and then I'm going to the wilderness. So I was reading up on how the Levitical priesthood had to do certain things, and it's Christ doesn't have to do it; he's perfect. He came perfect. He could go up and say, "Hey, you know, so and so is really repentant." So we see that, just to summarize this section, basically we see Christ is our high priest. He intercedes for us for God. He also presents us a way, because we've seen on earth he taught, like in the Sermon on the Mount and others, how to live. Now what's our part? You know, like I said, we divide this in two parts. Now our, our responsibility in the salvation. What I have is we, and there's probably more than one, but this is the one I want to focus on. We are to attempt to the best of our abilities through Christ to overcome and live a sin-free life as best we can. Our lives matter. As Matt said last week, our lives matter. What we do today matters. Because Christ set us a goal. It's a, I mean, he set us multiple goals, but... I like this one, and I always harp on it. But there's two goals he definitely gave us. Is in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying what... Do not worry, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but... First, but, sorry, retract, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He tells us the first thing we do is seek the kingdom of God, which the world definitely needs. Especially, like I say, I'm not harping on this week, it just caught me off guard, what happened in Dallas. And we're to seek his righteousness. we have the opportunity, and I don't have time to go into this. I was thinking about this morning. We have the opportunity to be part of that kingdom solution. We can be a part of the solution, but we must clean up our character. We must remove the sin out of our lives. Well, we, with the help of Christ, remove sins out of our lives. And how do we do this? Well, we to seek righteousness. Where do we find it? Find it. We have a source. In 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, it says, and this is what Paul wrote Timothy to encourage him, and that, that from childhood known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise, for wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, For correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book is what we use. Again, not this book in particular, but your Bible, what God has written down through all the men like Paul, Isaiah, Moses, all the individuals. And we are to live, there are examples to our righteousness, reproof, and the things we need in our lives. In James 1, 23 through 25, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But... He who lo- looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not, an, is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this, this one will be blessed in, in what he does. We are to use the law or use the Bible. Oh, it just goes far as saying just the Bible itself. We've got plenty of examples. Daniel, Moses, others. We are to use that word when we look at it And we analyze our lives based upon it, like what Christ said, and things like that. We analyze it. We're not just go, oh, well, and walk away. We're supposed to look at it, think about it, incorporate it in our world, in our life. And I can understand the mirror thing because, unfortunately, as I get older, I forgot to shave for two days. I'm Just something to say. I forgot to shave for two days, and I've discovered that I'm graying up just like my dad. So... (laughs) And I did not forget what I looked like I shaved. And that's, well, actually I did the first day. I kind of let it go, but then I realized gray started showing up in here and around. Oh, not here, not here, but up in here. But it's the same thing. When you look in the mirror and you see something you need to improve, in my case was shaving that day, that you need to take care of it and use the word and try to remove whatever is the problem. But there, and just as an addition, this morning I was thinking about it, it says the perfect law of liberty. We also set ourselves as examples. Like last week, we did an awesome job with the picnic, and I think we set a very good example of what the Christian life is like, because I think everybody had fun, and I think by doing things like that, or our lives, when you're at work, when you won't, won't lie to your boss, or you won't steal, you're a light to the world, there's enough Darkness, which again, I'm only harping because something happened this week, which I'd say disturbed me. But we are a light to the world, and by obeying the perfect law of liberty, we're a light to others as well, just as a side there. Now there are some warnings about our liberty that we must consider. Paul wrote to the Galatians saying, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for all, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you, love, you shall love your neighbors yourself. We are not free to do whatever we want in this liberty. Like I said in the quotes, you know, one said just absolute liberty. Uh, Burke, I believe is his last name. He would, Believe him in this quote, he's talking about just absolute liberty. Everybody was given just unrestrained action. It's just evil beyond. because Because you can just do anything you want. That's not the way it is. Liberty comes from having some restraints. Personal restraints. And that's true with us. Through Christ, we are not to... Well, let's get into it. And Paul writes to the Romans. In Romans 6, 15 through 18. Like I was just saying a second ago, he's saying he to the Romans, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Sure. That's not what it says, but just to get attention. He says, God forbid in the King James, or certainly not. He says, Do you not know to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one, You are that one servant whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to death, or obedience leading to righteousness. But God is but okay. But God be thankful that through you, though you though you were slaves to sin, yet you, yet you obey from the heart that form of doctrine to which you are which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. I think I'm used to the King James Version, so that kind of threw me a little bit. But basically you get to see that though we're under grace, he says we are not to sin. We're to try to live a sinless life. We're not to use that grace as a liberty. Like someone who knows not to text when they drive and gets caught by a police officer and goes, But... I didn't get in an accident. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, the law says, do not text when you drive. You have done an action that's against the law. I mean, it doesn't matter whether, we, you know, and just because a judge might say, well, you're forgiven this time. Okay, just don't do it again and get caught again. The reason you're forgiven is so you won't do it again. It's not so you will do it again. And I notice that also whether, whether of sin leading to death or... Or obedience leading to righteousness. So we see at least two phases Or two. in this, in summary. We see we have liberty in Christ. Christ comes down. He forgives us, forgives us of our sins. He releases us from the bondage of sin. He sets us, He set as a high priest, as the role of the high priest, sinless, so when we do foul up. Unfortunately, we're all human, or at least I am. I don't know about you all, but I'm human, and on a regular basis, I do make my mistakes. We can come to make our prayer to Christ through Christ to God and say, hey, you know, I've messed up. I need forgiveness. I want to keep on going, just kind of messed up. We can boldly go to the throne of God and know that grace will come. Our part of our liberty is not to use our liberty wrong. We are to actually, in our salvation, have fear and trembling to, and actually try to work at it. We, we, as At least the two goals I want to focus on on this in our lives, we know that we are to seek His righteousness, which will improve us, so that we, when we enter the kingdom, we'll have the opportunity to also enter the kingdom of God. In other words, basically seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness in our lives. And through Jesus Christ, we are to try to live a sinless life we are not to take this liberty for granted so just as closing Christ came to provide us liberty and I, like I said do not abuse it or take it for granted and, and definitely definitely thank God every day for the precious liberty he gives us on a daily basis